Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as messed up as we are, we are ready to dive into the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Excellent. We have a special guest today, and this is actually going to be a two-part podcast. So buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Welcome Jason Duterman. Jason is a longtime friend, uh, a listener, and an extraordinary ministry leader. He is the something important director of Youth, Young Adult, (laughs) and Evangelization... Jason, Jason, like now that we have such a well-prepared host here, why don't you go ahead and tell us? uh, I don't remember your exact title, but it's he's he's a legend in Dallas for the youth ministry that he seeks to empower and equip ministry leaders to do. I'm hoping that Bishop Burns doesn't listen to this because adding legend into my title might be a little a little awkward. Uh, Pay increase, right? Legends, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I serve as the director of youth, young adult, and campus ministries for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Dallas. I, I, I keep noticing, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but it seems like the directors of youth ministry at the diocesan level keep getting ands, 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 oh, yeah. youth, young adult, and, and then it's adult catechesis and all, all uh, like types of other things are getting added to the, the youth ministry uh, director role at the diocesan level. Well, we see that in parishes too, right? Uh, yeah. So we, we have a, a little name for them in the office. We call them slashers. Yep. Uh, so we just talk with pastors all the time. Hey, if you're going to create slashers, we need to talk very specifically about how you're going to set them up for success, because all of a sudden you gave them two jobs, but you're paying them for one. So what yep. can we do to embolden them and set them up for the right kind of success? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite slasher used to be Freddy Krueger, but now it's Margaret over at St. Mary's Parish. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, a, it's a true story. It's a true story. That is so. a horror film waiting to happen. <laughs> it is. And when they rise up, they're like, enough with the slashing. Yeah. And Edward Scissor Parish Minister. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get any better than this, gentlemen. Um, so, Jason, Jason, you're also a, a loving husband and a father, and you're passionate about a variety of things. But one of the things that you're passionate about is really kind of the best of what exists in the professional world. I know that you have a number of mentors and people that you talk to that aren't just ministry leaders, but they're you know, CEOs or CFOs at uh, different companies and firms out in the Dallas area. And you, you sit at their feet and learn what the best practices there are as well. And, uh, and that kind of leads into our topic today. So jump on in, tell us what, what we're talking about and how that influences it. When we think about pushing and moving the field forward, that starts with the person that's actually in the field, right? It's not something to be done by think tanks or national organizations. It comes down to the person on the ground. And the best way to show that the field is worth something is to be the very best professional that you can be. I think back to when I very first started in ministry 15 years ago, um, and I looked to my mentor at the time, a guy by the name of Chris Bartlett. Chris was exceptionally, yes, I'm going to talk about Chris as if he's not on the podcast. Chris was exceptionally <laughs> professional. Chris could get in front of a room. I'm speaking right now of youth minister Chris. Chris could get in front of a room. He could pull a hot dog out of his sock and eat it in front of teenagers, and it was hilarious. But he was also <laughs> the guy that could sit with a straight face in front of a pastoral council or a finance council and advocate for whatever the heck he wanted. And I thought that was brilliant. I wanted to learn from that. Well, then that kind of moved, you know, Fast forward then into diocesan ministry when I first entered into the role within diocesan work, recognizing I never had an executive mentor thinking of the operational elements of ministry. So who do I need to go and talk to so that, again, I can elevate 
not really a persona, but really getting down to the character level of who I am, both as a person, but also as the steward of the ministry that I've been entrusted with. So professionalism, moving the field forward is about being the best steward, about the best ambassador for Christ that you can at every level from the ministry, the spiritual, the methodological, even then in the operational. Yeah, it's interesting because you don't always think about ministry and business as like working together or professionalism in that sense. Um, but like, obviously, the pastor at a parish is running a business and he's entrusted a portion of that business to the youth minister, you know, or to whatever ministry leader is is doing what they're doing. That is a part of the business of the parish. And like for those of us in leadership, we need to be pushing that leadership lid, pushing our leadership lid higher and higher and higher. And how do we do that? Where do we start? And I like kind of what you said as far as finding a mentor. I know that like at the beginning of a blaze, I was like this, like I knew how to do youth ministry and that was it. I had no idea how to run a business. And it was terrifying um, when I was having to do like business strategies and stuff like that. I like I brought someone in to share with me, like, what is that? Like, what does that look like? How do I learn how to do this? And, and local businessmen and business leaders in the area are the ones that I sat at their feet just to learn, you know, from them. And I think that we forget sometimes that the value that they can add to the church is a part of their calling as a ministry leader, as a business professional who has a calling to add. Everyone is called to do ministry in some way. Who knew that, uh, that some of the people that you sat at, that their business experience prepared them to help minister to you and really to the Ablaze Ministries organization. Well, and, and Jason, like affecting the whole diocese, like like those businessmen and their experience in the, in that field is affecting the whole diocese of Dallas. No, right on. You know, and it's interesting, right? Because I think about the fact, and I think about this regularly, I pray with this regularly. If we truly believe what we say we believe, that you know, this gospel truth that we hold and that we love, that we desire to share, the reason we got into ministry in the first place has, you know, eschatological consequences. They ring out through the whole of eternity. These aren't just platitudes. They sound like it. They sound like something that anyone would say from a stage at a youth conference, right? Um, but I think sometimes we forget that in the simplicity of that truth, it's still a truth that has eternal consequences. And so Amen. when we think then about the work that we do as ministry leaders, who on earth, when the stakes are eternal, would ever want to lone wolf it? It just doesn't yeah. make sense, right? Yeah. Or to think that they know everything that they need to know about doing what they're doing. And, and like, it's natural for us to seek out other youth ministers or other people in our ministry field to learn more about our ministry field. It, it almost seems like we, we forget about the business side of things, you know, or the leadership side of things, or it doesn't seem as important, um, and, or like to the ministry that we're doing. Well, and I think that that leans into what I would call a crisis in formation, right? Even priests, as they're going through seminary and they're going through their formation, little do they know that they're going to spend more time being CEOs of multi-million dollar corporations, aka their parish then they are going to be hearing confession and doing some of the pastoral works that drew them into the ministry in the first place. So this idea of professionalism in ministry, both at the pastor level, but also at every level underneath, all of a sudden helps them do what they were deeply called to do, which is that pastoral action. Absolutely. Thinking about, um, you know, the last time I was on the podcast with you guys, we talked about impact architecture, right? 
Um, and one of the one of the sort of core components of that specific kind of understanding or, or, or theory with the way you run an organization has to do with understanding the individual facets and then leveraging those, elevating those in such a way that builds the whole of the organization. When you think about a pastor coming into a role, right, Chris, it's exactly like you said, we're talking these multi-million dollar nonprofits and everything that has to come with the stewardship of that nonprofit, which includes, again, how to get your people to give more money as much as it does how to build social justice or build a formation program over here. You can't neglect one or the other. If you neglect one, your money may go down over here. If all you're doing is focusing on money, you're never going to spend it correctly, which ultimately is going to turn into people stopping to give. They're not going to give funding anymore. For example, it's one of the reasons I think we see many donors today giving more money to apostolates than they are to potentially the organizational church in some areas of the country, because they see apostolates doing more work or being more mission oriented than potentially the organizational church. There's got to be a healthy balance in the way that we're moving our organizations forward. And that comes to understanding them, which is what professionalism is really all about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think about um, where would a ministry leader start? You know, if they if they wanted to if they wanted to be able to do this, if they wanted to find a mentor, a business mentor that they could sit at their feet, what would that look like? Um, whether it's a pastor or a youth minister, I think um, in in my in just my, I'll take a shot at it, and then Jason, I'd love to, to get your input on it as well. Um, like what I've done, just personally, is is met different business leaders in the area and asked them to lunch. And then ask them, you know, say, hey, I, I'm running a, a ministry or I'm running a business and there's no doubt that I can learn from you. There's something about like you that, that I've just connected with. You obviously care about the church. You care about this particular church. I want to run this part of the ministry as best as I can. And I want to sit at your feet. I want to, I want to learn from you. And, and they may say, oh, well, I don't know anything about ministry. And they, 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 that may be very well true, <laughs> um, but that's okay. Like you get to, all I would say in response to that is, is I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what my ministry is. I'll tell you what my product is. And I want to know from you how I can best deliver that product or how, how I can best manage the people that are a part of delivering that product. Um, and I know that you can do that. You know, that's what I would say like, is a great way to start for ministry leaders out there looking for a mentor. No, that's exactly right. Um, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I did coming into diocesan work. Um, I had found out my wife worked for a company at the time uh, that went by the, the name TXU Energy. Um, TXU is now Vistra Energy in Dallas. But at the time, there was a gentleman who served as the CEO of that company, again, one of the largest energy firms in the state of Texas. Uh, and it turned out that he was Catholic. And I just cold emailed him. I mean, yep. just as simple as that. I sent him an email. I said, I'm new to this role. I work for the Diocese of Dallas, and I've never had executive mentorship, especially when it comes to building an organization for a greater sense of impact. I would love to treat you to breakfast. I realize you have a busy schedule. I, you name the time. If it's 6 a.m., I'll be there. I'll yep. pay. I would love to just ask you questions and be a sponge for 30 to 45 minutes would that be something you'd be open to? And lo and behold, the CEO of this major energy company said yes. What I found in my experience is people really actually uh, want to share what they've done, how they've been successful with it. Um, people like talking about themselves. I think it's just that's just the nature of, of humanity in a lot of ways. I don't mean that necessarily from an egotistical sense, but I think we get some measure of affirmation by being able to share what we're good at. That's a good thing. Yep. Um, 
And, and so, I, yeah, I think people are more than willing to share what they've come to learn and to know. You just be a sponge. Yep. And I think the cool thing is that the Holy Spirit moves ahead of us. Amen. And I believe that that CEO already had a prompting in his heart of like, Lord, I feel like you're calling me to give in a new way. And when that email came through, he's like, this, this is what, this is where it was called to give. I, I just recently experienced that with the whole Exodus 90 conversation and, and things like that. Like the Lord was calling me deeper after a consecration of St. Joseph. And I, I didn't know what it was. And then Jim Beckman ruins our lives and it's like, you should try 90 days of sacrifice. And and it's absolutely a, a very rich experience. And I don't think it would have been had I just been like peer pressured into it and been like, I'm doing it. And then I hate the whole thing. But it's actually like, oh, the Holy Spirit had prepared my heart, softened the soil so that this seed could be planted. And so we cannot forget that like the Holy Spirit wants us to be better as professionals as well, because that will help further the mission of the church. Amen. And recognizing, I think, Chris, to, to sort of piggyback off of that, if we also have to understand as ministry leaders, be your, whether you're the parish, you're a parish minister in the field, you're a diocesan leader, apostolate leader, whatever it is, God has chosen you for this specific moment in time. You bring a giftedness, you bring a charism that the Lord wants, he needs, and he's inviting you to share. If that's true, and again, if we also then believe that everything that we need is available to us, God is in his abundance and the grace of his abundance sharing everything we need, well, then that means that there's probably somebody around the corner. You've just got to figure out who that person is. You've got to be willing to take the steps, have the courage to ask that person to help be a part of the mission that you believe that God's entrusted to you. Yes. The Holy Spirit's going to move that. So what, one thing that you had the opportunity to do was give one of those Catholic TED Talks, and uh, it's with uh, Our Sunday Visitor, um, what, what was it called? Our Sunday the Visitor? OSV Innovation Talks. Okay, OSV Innovation Talks. You can find them on YouTube on OSV Innovation. They're also on forum.org as well. Um, but during that, you actually broke down the origin story of the word professionalism. And I think for our listeners, it'd be real helpful to know kind of that there is a spiritual nature to the origin story of the word professionalism. Could you expand on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So in the 14th century, that's one of the first times that we began to hear this term. Um, and the word profession, uh, which gets its root from the Latin word profitieri. I'm not a Latin scholar, so forgive any Latin <laughs> scholars that listen to this. They're like, wow, he just butchered that, uh, but comes from the Latin profitieri. Uh, which is in reference to a solemn vow within uh, within the uh, within the military. We we hear that on a regular basis, right? The idea that you're giving a promise that cannot be broken. Um, in the 14th century, it was used specifically with religious orders. So the first time that we used this word profession, it was in reference to an individual making a public profession. In other words, a profession in community that I'm going to take this solemn religious vow. Over time, we began to see that shift a little bit. It began to, uh, the word profession or professional started to be used in reference to a trade, but there was still this expectation that the professional or the one making a profession was well-formed. They underwent a specific type of rigorous training in their field that would ultimately then move the field forward. That's one of the beautiful things as I was studying the word a little bit uh, that I thought was so exceptional is it's never it's never a sort of um, uh, static term. It's always a term that's moving forward. There's an expectation of I mean, again, when you're looking at the religious sense, 
the human experience, right? You have the actual whole, the whole of the personhood being moved into this religious community with a solemn vow. In the, uh, in the, in the secular world, it's about moving the field forward. In the 17th century, there was a little bit of a blip. I didn't spend a lot of time here, uh, but uh, actually, excuse me, the 19th century, it was actually used as a euphemism for prostitution. We won't talk about that on, on this call. <laughs> moving uh, along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as we, as we looked at kind of the, uh, the, the 17th, the 18th the, uh, centuries, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and just kind of mind-blowing for me uh, is that religion or theology or ministry was held at the highest, in the same highest regard as medicine, the practices of medicine and of law. And so for me, what was really sort of eye-opening and an incredible experience of of prayer, one that I continue with, and I think adds to the gravity of the work that ministry leaders do, is that medicine heals, law upholds justice and righteousness, and the practice of ministry does both. We can never neglect the great honor that it is and the gravity that comes with a position to, sh- to serve in the church, regardless of what that position is. We heal and we uphold justice and righteousness. This is, this is big stuff. Yep. This is big stuff. That's beautiful. Um, I know the word prophet and profession probably have a similar Latin root as well, and I think that there's something... Like you said, there's there's a, a gravity to the work that we do. Um, not to go back to the part that we skipped over, but I also think that there comes a time where we as professionals, if we're only seen as the work that we do, but not also the disciple that we are, then we're left feeling used. And that's where maybe that other kind of meaning of profession uh, kind of popped in there for a century or whatever is when people started getting used for that. And I think we need to remember that as well. Sometimes as professionals um, in ministry leadership, we come home at the end of the day and we take off our spirituality along with our jacket and hang it on the hook. And then we're just kind of, I'm off the clock. I don't, I don't have to think or talk about Jesus right now. And I think that there's this, this delicate balance as growing as an individual in prayer, as growing as an individual, as a disciple, as a beloved, but also in growing as an individual, uh, as a professional. And sometimes those actions to grow us professionally in ministry seem very similar to the same actions that would grow us as a disciple. And to make a distinction, or at least not to blur the lines to where you you take off your your discipleship when you're no longer in the professional mode is uh, is something that that I know I've struggled with uh, many times in many different settings as a professional ministry leader. Yeah, I know we're going to talk a little bit um, in part two about some of the practicals, but Chris, I, I think that that is so important, um, right? When we when we think about the nature of uh, of being an ambassador for Christ, right? That is at the core of being a ministry impress, a professional. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. St. Paul says, so we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. I think we have to think about that, right? Again, I am not bringing the Christian faith to a person. God is bringing that faith, right? He is the origin, the alpha and the omega I am the reservoir, as St. Bernard of Clairvaux would say, that is spilling over with a joy for my love for the sacred heart of Jesus Christ. And I just want to share that with everybody. God's making his appeal through that. Well, what do I have to do to make sure that I am in the best shape that I can possibly be in 
for God to make his appeal. Well, if that's, if, if, if that's what I'm trying to achieve, as it should be, right, that's a part of my sanctification, God working through me to bring me closer to himself, that's going to start and end with my prayer life. It's going to start and end with the way that I lead and love my family toward Jesus. You don't get to take that off. You don't. You can maybe, you can have boundaries with the operational things, and that's good and healthy, and we can talk more about that. But when it comes to the spiritual life, that can never cease. Um, I think it's uh, Blessed Fulton Sheen, I'll say this and and let it lie, but uh, Blessed Fulton Sheen said, uh, when uh, when prayer declines, when the spiritual life declines, so goes our energy. And I think that, I'm butchering that quote, but that's the basic gist. Um, I think that that's really important for us to remember. When the spiritual life declines, our energy will always decline. Wow. Hmm. Going back to the the word itself. So I, I know that I've heard kind of a negative connotation to um, the professionalization of youth ministry or of ministry in general. Um, that, that's, that that's probably the worst thing to happen to ministry or whatever is the professionalization of ministry. Um, have you heard that before? Like, have you had to like wrestle with that and talk about that? Like, in, of course. like, what are your thoughts on, on that? So actually in my, uh, OSV innovation talk, I open up with a story, uh, of a, a gentleman. Um, I was giving a, a talk at a leadership Catholic leadership conference and a gentleman walked up to me and he said, Hey, I thought your presentation was great, but I thought it was missing something. Um, and potentially off base. And I, and I said to him, okay, go on, you know, trying in charity to, to hear this gentleman out. Um, and he told me, he said, our jobs are not to be professionals. It's just to be about Jesus. And I, I really wrestled with that because I knew there was something inside of me that just utterly disagreed. And I, I couldn't figure out what it was. I, I took his, uh, I took his, his kind of suggestion, his comment, and I, and I told him I'd be praying about it and whatnot. Uh, but what I really came to is that everything about being a disciple of Jesus Christ is professional. Again, if you look at the etymology of the word, if it's about making a solemn vow, and then from the secular side, right? Look, if you're working for a parish, unless you're doing it for free, if you're taking money from that parish, there are certain responsibilities that you have to that parish. Foremost, you are to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ to the utmost. Secondarily, you are to uphold the culture and the charism of that community. In other words, you don't get to be, I don't get to go be in a parish and be about the ministry of Jason Duderman. I get to be about the ministry of Jesus Christ through St. Pius X Catholic Church or wherever I work. So already mm-hmm. you're, yep. you're way down on the priority list, right? Yep. So we have to recognize that ultimately it's kind of like, uh, what's the old adage, right? What's the meaning of life? It's not about you. I think that's extremely true when we talk about ministry and these jobs that we have. Uh, so yes, to be a professional is to uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to uphold the mission and the vision and the direction of your parish. And then I would say, thirdly, it's to actually know what you're doing in ministry. How many of us go to conferences? Do we go there just to waste time and drink beer? No. <laughs> We're, well, maybe some do. Uh, I know for myself, not so much. It's a perk. I, go, I, want, yeah, I, I, I don't waste any time. I only drink beer. Is that that, that what you're saying? I'm not going to do both. <laughs> you know, we, we go and we, we learn. We get master's degrees in theology. I don't care what you do. If you are a learner, then that's not only growing you, but it's growing the field. It's going to inspire new ideas. It's going to inspire yes. innovation. It's going to move the field forward. So being a ministry leader is 
professional. There's no question about that. Yeah. You can follow yeah. Jesus and be a professional. So what do you think it is, uh, like, why do people not like the whole idea of the professionalization of ministry? Is that there, there's got to be something else underneath that. Go, yeah, Chris. Yeah, so I think that the, the challenge is, is when I, I'm hearing Jason speak, I can imagine those uh, British royal guards that don't smile, that, that just stand there, and that once they put that uniform on, they are professionals, and I am in that mode. Uh, but I think in the actual practice of ministry— there's an authenticity, an authenticity that needs to be showcased that requires us to put ourselves clearly out there as well. Because if we give a talk on how, uh, you know, this is how you pray and this is what it, what you do and you just do these steps and you don't also say, and it's hard, you guys, I've struggled with prayer for decades. Like it's really, really hard, right? But some people might say, well, that doesn't seem that professional, but I think it is because the authentic self is what's necessary to move forward the message. And so there's this, there's this weird tension of, of a traditional understanding of a professional. Well, that wasn't very professional. You asked them how they were doing instead of just doing the transaction. It's like, actually, yeah, that's what it means to a company. That's the road to Emmaus professionalism that Christ modeled. Yeah, and I almost feel like it, it, maybe the thought is, oh, you've sold out. Like, you've sold out the gospel. You're getting paid to do it. Um, and so that's where they have this tension about being paid to share the good news. And it's like that, that, like that professionalism, that side of things is what they may have the biggest tension with. I think that that's really interesting. You know, I, I want to go back to Chris, what you were saying for a second with respect to authenticity. Um, I think that that's a major part of it, right? Our, our ability, again, I, one of the things we teach within the Diocese of Dallas to new ministry leaders is, again, really diving into and unpacking the culture and the charism of your parish community. One parish doesn't look the same as the other. So when you understand the culture and the charism of that community, and you can authentically lean into it, how am I then unpacking my own experience as the ministry leader? If I'm giving a talk, if I'm spending time with teens, or I'm spending time with core team leaders, uh, investing in them and building them up, how am I using my experience in relationship to, collaboratively with, the culture and the charism of that specific community? right? That's where the authenticity comes in and ultimately, too, elevates the professional nature. A professional should always be exceptionally good at their job. Ministry is relational. Therefore, you have to be exceptional at building relationships, right? Yep. Now, yep. what that, and, and I think it's important, too, I think sometimes, um, so for example, one of the things that, uh, Matt, going back to what you were talking about, you know, sometimes people will, uh, I've had criticism in the past, well, you know, Jason, you just sort of, you dress uh, on a regular basis above the station of ministers. And my response to that is very simple. No, I just, uh, A, I, I dress for the respect that I have for the position that I hold. As Jason Duderman, Director of Youth Young Adult and Campus Ministries in the Diocese of Dallas, I represent Bishop Edward Burns. I'm not going to show up in my worst pair of jeans and a t-shirt at a conference when I represent His Excellency. That's just not what I'm going to do. But I will also be the first to show up in a T-shirt and a pair of jeans when I go to a parish in South Dallas where I shouldn't be wearing a blazer and a tie, right? Yep. So part of being a professional is recognizing very clearly you have a delineation of audiences there, and there's differences for the way that you're going to be in relationship with people. You want to give yourself to them in a way that's going to make them comfortable 
that's also a part of professionalism. And it goes back tying into what Chris was talking about a minute ago, the nature of authenticity, right? So the person that we are, we can actually, if we're really good at our jobs, we can change elements of the way that we sort of um, present ourselves without changing who we are at the core, the way that we present ourselves in different audiences, that actually elevates the professionalism. It, it, show me a minister who does that well, and I'll show you a minister that needs to be mentoring other other people. Yep. Right. Yeah. That that increases the reach, and that should be multiplied for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Good. So um, as we're coming to the end of it, uh, I want to say just a couple of quick points. First of all, what we do is sacred and what we do is professional. Like we need to keep those two things in mind and in balance. The second is slashers, we love you. <laughs> like, it's a challenging season in ministry, especially as some of the compensated realities of ministry have uh, shrunk a little bit. Um, that doesn't mean that we should slow down. And so if you don't, I know conferences are something and ongoing training and degrees are important, but if you don't have a mentor, a ministry mentor, you don't have to look for another ministry leader. You can actually look for just another professional, someone who excels in their field and get poured into because I think that will increase your leadership lid and make you a better professional. And the last thing is Jason does dress well and you can see us on YouTube. We have a YouTube video. Uh, you can see uh, a beard at three stages. Mine's the baby beard. Jason is the solid adult beard and Matt Rice has the old man beard and you can come check us out. So we do have a YouTube channel. Just or that, look up that guy on the street. I mean, it yeah, could be yeah the guy. homeless man beard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Go ahead and, and, and search it and you'll find it. Um, you guys, we are going to be back shortly with part two, um, and I'm really grateful. So thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, let's continue the conversation online. Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. Before we end this one, Jason, if people want to reach out to you, how do they do it? They are welcome to email me. If I, can I give you guys an email that you'll drop in the drop in, in your stuff as well? Yep. Um, yep. They're welcome to reach out to me that way, and I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody that would like to. Perfect. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, ministry leader professionals, and reflect on your own professionalism. We'll see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. And God bless you.